What's up, fellow hard gainers? Welcome back to the Build and Keep Fitness podcast where you follow me, Timothy Averill, as I traverse the life of a hard gainer college student and aspiring personal trainer uh, as I acquire new knowledge and make new and probably bigger mistakes <laughs> so that you can learn how to build more muscle, build more confidence, and build a better life overall. Today, in episode I don't know, as usual, of the series. We are going to talk about the last episode. It's finally here. I'm finally recording it. Finally done. I am so sorry for the wait. Both episodes will be posted today. Um, But yeah, today is the big last episode. It's been a while since we've had one of these uh, big episodes. I'm probably going to change the title on them because I've realized my title was like the the best or most scientific way to build something. It's very similar to the titles of Jeff Nippard's series, so I'm going to probably change them. Uh, something else, I'm not really sure what. Um, if you have any suggestions, email me, leave a comment on this YouTube video whenever it comes out on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, today we're talking about the lats, and um, I want to give a real quick preview to next week. Next week's episodes are going to be about the differences in training uh, females versus males, um, the fundamentals and the theory behind training after a training break and then as well as that we're going to be talking about the amount of volume uh in terms of like sets you can hit per muscle group per session before it becomes like junk volume um and the main reason we're talking about that is just um because a lot of people have like two hour three hour gym sessions so we're going to be talking about uh potentially touching on the overtraining principle um, but we're mostly just going to be talking about junk volume and how much you can effectively do on a muscle group per workout set. So that's what we're going to be doing for next week. Stay tuned for those. Um, if I'm being honest, the post uh, schedule that I have is breaking down a little bit with schoolwork. So expect those episodes. The last episode is going to be around Friday, Saturday. The uh, second episode will be anywhere from Wednesday to Friday. Uh, if it gets if it's really bad, I'll post the last two episodes on Saturday like I'm doing today because this week was pretty bad. Um, but I will try to get those earlier. And the first episode will be um, Sunday, somewhere from Sunday through Thursday. Again, if it's bad, it'll be like Wednesday, maybe, maybe Thursday. But expect them around Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, Friday, Saturday. But yeah, I just wanted to let you know there is going to be flexibility with that as needed for my schoolwork. So I hope you guys understand. But I will get three episodes out every single week. Uh, That's what I'm doing. And I will continue to do that even though I have schoolwork, even though I have other stuff. Because I want to continue doing this for you guys. So, today, last episode. Uh, I also wanted to quickly say that today's episode is going to be a little bit more organized than normal. I'm trying a new notation uh, and I guess scheduling system for my episode so hopefully this works out and it's a little bit less run here run here run here run here run here run here uh, and just going off notes I actually have a bit of a structure to this one so hopefully that comes across and it's not as hectic as most of these types of episodes are so without further ado let's get into it now, as always, uh, when we talk about when we do these big, big episodes about muscle groups and the ideal ways to train them and all of that, we start off with the anatomy because the anatomy is just the driving force behind all this. You need to understand the anatomy if you need to, if you want to properly understand how to train your muscle. And in comparison to the glutes anatomy, which is the last big muscle group we did with this kind of episode, um, the last episode, not the last episode, the last anatomy is much simpler. So, 
the lats have two main functions, which are shoulder adduction and shoulder extension. If you don't know what those, that means, shoulder adduction is bringing your shoulder closer to the midline of your body. Shoulder extension is simply extending your shoulder uh, out or out from your uh, from your body. Oh wait, 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 no, 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 no! What am I talking about? No, no, <laughs> that that's wrong. Shoulder uh, flexion is when you get your arm uh, out in front of your body. Shoulder extension is when you get it back behind your body. My apologies. So shoulder adduction, shoulder extension. And you can, of course, do exercises that train both respectively, and that's what you want to do. Uh, spoiler alert, you want to do that for, you want to do exercises that train both uh, functions of the lats to properly and completely hit the lats in all their range of motions and in their different functions. Now, in terms of muscle fiber uh, breakdown, the lats are more dominant towards type 2 muscle fibers, which means they may respond better uh, to heavier loads. And then also you can split the, uh, the lats into an upper and lower region anatomically when you look at how the muscle fibers run. Um, and big disclaimer for whenever we're talking about hitting a part of a muscle or a head of a muscle uh, preferentially over another head, or also known as targeting that part of the muscle, it's a preferential hitting, a preferential targeting. It's not an isolated contraction. If you're training the lats and you're doing a lat exercise, regardless of what you're doing, you're going to contract all parts of the lats. It's just if you're doing um, a specific type of exercise targeting the upper lats, you're going to preferentially hit and contract the upper part, but it's not like the lower part's just going to be remain, just going to remain dormant. It's not an isolated contraction. It's preferential targeting. I just wanted to clarify that. Because that's a big disclaimer whenever we talk about that and people uh, make mistakes about that or mis have misconceptions, misunderstand uh, what I'm saying when I talk about that. So I just want to clarify that. But yeah, in terms of the upper and lower region, the upper region, the fibers for that region of the lats run more horizontally, while in the lower region, the fibers run more vertically. So we can do exercises um, theoretically with, uh, well, not theoretically, we can do exercises um that hits those different regions by kind of matching the line of pull or the angle of pull, so to say, um, of the exercise with the direction that the muscle fibers are running in. But that's we'll talk about that a little bit later. First off, next thing after anatomy, we're going to talk about pre-activating the lats because the lats are a big, big, big muscle that needs pre-activation. The lats and the glutes are probably the two biggest, in my opinion, because for both of those uh, muscle groups, people have a hard time activating it. Um, and according to Jeff Nippert as well, many, many trainees seem to have a hard time feeling the lats working during exercises and during workouts. <clears throat> this may be because other muscles like the biceps and the traps can take over a lot. Um, and because of this, uh, this possibility and because of this um, trend within trainees, pre-activation can be really good for mind-muscle connection and for increased blood flow and for targeting of the lats muscle over the other muscles that could take that could potentially take over. Um, one example of a really good pre-activation exercise uh, would be the lat pull-in, or another one could be the cable pullover. <clears throat> this is also uh, referred to as kind of the straight arm uh, pull-down. Um, you could look at you could call it either one; it doesn't matter. But cable pullover, straight arm pull-down, um, both names for a good pre-activation exercise for the lats. One study by uh, Snyder et al. in 2009 um, said that specific coaching cues such as palpitation of the lats, 
and thinking about engaging the lats increases EMG activation during lat pulldown. So that's just some scientific evidence to back up the idea of using specific coaching cues or using um, a pre-activation exercise or using um, just increased mindless connection. That that can be um, that um, source can be used to kind of not prove, um, substantiate the claims that my muscle connection and thinking about actively controlling or contracting a muscle uh, can increase activation. And that's important because, well, in the next portion of Jeff's video talking about lats, he gave some cues as well for the lat pull and specifically, and then also for the cable pullover. So we're going to go into those now. <clears throat> So for the lat pull on Jeff cubes, we're to first just Jeff's cues. Sorry, we're to first think about pulling in a straight line that would split the body into a front and the back half. That was the first cue. Second cue is to laterally crunch into the direction of the pull. Now, when you say laterally crunch, laterally means to the side. In the direction of the pull is going to be towards the side where the arm is actually doing the lat pull in. And then crunch. If you don't know what that means, think about crunching like the ab movement. You're just taking the top half and moving it kind of down towards the bottom half of your body. That's what laterally crunching into the direction of the pull means, just to translate for those of you who don't know. Then his third and final cue was to palpate the lat muscle. Now, that was mentioned a bit earlier in the Snyder et al. Ep uh, not episode, the Snyder et al. 2009 study. Uh, he mentioned palpitating the lats. Palp, or not palpitating, palpating. So what palpating means is you're feeling the muscle like you're actually like touching the muscle as you contract it. So I know personally, I can attest to this, when I touch a muscle and feel it contracting, contracting, it's good psychologically because I can actually feel it contracting, uh, and that helps my mind go, okay, yes, it's contracting, this is good. But then also it seems to actually, act, it seems to, according to the study we just talked about, actually increase the EMG activation during an exercise. So that's a really, really good cue that you should definitely uh, use. And you can use that in other exercises as well, not just... Um, not just in the lat pull and like I know for the like a high cable uh, lat row or a high cable row I do that as well sometimes um, for the cable pullovers or the straight arm uh, lat pull downs um, here are the cues for those so first off you want to lean a little bit forward so just slightly forward lean slightly forward you still want to keep your trunk kind of upright and your back straight obviously but you want to lean slightly forward you want to drive your elbows down not back and you want to tuck your elbows in Tuck your elbows uh, into the sides of your body. And in general, talking about pre-activations, you want to do them light. You're not doing them to failure. You're not even trying to go close to failure, okay? You're doing them very light, and the focus is on slow and controlled contractions. Or focus is on slow and controlled tempo, sorry, with mindful contractions. And you can do about two to three sets uh, before training to really optimize that pre-activation effect. So the next thing we want to talk about are going to be uh, the lats exercises. Well, sorry, I miss that, misspoke. We're going to talk about the vertical pulls and the lat exercises within that vertical pull kind of category. Because when you're talking about, in general, back exercises, they're going to, for the most part, be split into vertical pulls and horizontal pulls. And for the most part, I want to say for the most part, because it's definitely not a black and white thing, a lot of big vertical pulls or a lot of big uh, lat movements are going to be in the vertical pull category so we're going to talk about that first so first of all first of all we're going to talk about the pull-up the pull-up is one of the best lat exercises i've heard it by i think jeff cavalier from athlean x 
uh, he referred to it as basically the squat of the upper body because the squat hits like up tons of the lower body muscles, almost all the lower body muscles, potentially all of them, I would say. Um, and the squat hits tons of the upper body muscles from uh, the lats, the traps, the scapular retractors to the shoulders, the biceps brachii, the forearms, even a little bit of the spinal erectors as well. It hits a lot, a lot of muscle groups. <clears throat> In one uh, study by ACE, uh, the pull-up had the highest lats activation. Uh, the lats, like I said, also activates the bicep brachii, the mid and lower traps, not so much the upper traps, though. Uh, it hits the brachioradialis in the forearm, and it also hits the teres major muscle in the back. And like I said, it does hit, can potentially hit a little bit of the spinal erectors. It doesn't really activate it as much, but the spinal erectors do play a little bit of a role uh, in stabilizing in this exercise. Um, but it's not really a big activator for that muscle group. Now, when we're thinking about pull-ups, you're also going to want to talk about chin-ups because, simply put, that's a substitute that a lot of people use. It's a very common variation, and it's a very good variation, and I believe both have a place in your workout plan. Um, one study by Yodis, I believe that is Yodis or Yudis et al., um, showed that both the chin-up and the pull-up had similar uh, or about the same lats activation. Uh, the pull-ups did, I wanted to mention, have a slight edge had a slight edge in uh not wait did i say biceps activation i'm so sorry had a slight edge in lats activation they had pretty similar but uh the pulse had a slight edge not a big edge but a little bit um the chin-ups did however have greater greater biceps activation than the pull-ups did which makes sense because it's an underhand grip but the pull-ups had a significantly higher uh lower traps activation and since lower traps tend to become weak and uh, underdeveloped in a lot of lifties um, because they're very often undertrained or not trained at all by lifters. Partly because a lot of lifters simply don't know that the lower traps exist. They think the traps are simply the upper traps, which are the shelf that pops up above your uh, shoulder line between your shoulders and your neck. Uh, upper traps are only one part of the traps. There's also the mid and lower traps. Um, but most people don't know those exist, so they don't train the lower traps at all. And most people, even if they do know the lower traps exist, don't really know the significance of it. Um, and which the main significance are they're really important for posture um, because it helps keep your partially because it helps keep your shoulder blades back a lot easier. And it's really really good for shoulder health, especially when we're considering uh, big ex big in big shoulder exercises such as the overhead press. Um, because the lower traps have a function in stabilizing the shoulders, especially when the shoulders are up and above your head. So in a lot of shoulder exercises, uh, especially heavy ones, your shoulders are in that position. So the lower traps are very important for stabilizing that and thus help if you have a stronger, more developed lower traps, um, you're less likely to get shoulder injured in that position. So those are very important that way. And because they're often weak and underdeveloped, um, it's, it would be a good pick, I believe, in terms of preferentially doing the pull-ups versus the chin-ups. Because um, while the chin-ups, their main benefits is that you have more biceps activation. And if you're also, if you're loading pull-ups versus chin-ups, generally speaking, you're going to be able to load chin-ups a little bit more with some weight. So you can get a little bit of a heavier um, weight-based stimuli there. I would personally add the pull-ups a little bit more than the chin-ups into my workout plan just because of that lower trap activation and it's a little bit it's definitely more difficult to train the lower traps than the biceps so that's just my personal pick and then there's a substitute exercise 
for the pull-ups if you can't physically do the pull-ups. If maybe you have, uh, well, I don't really know. I'm, I want to disclaimer before saying this. I'm not as educated on shoulder exercises, but I do know that shoulder, not shoulder exercises, shoulder injuries. I do know shoulder injuries can prevent people from doing pull-ups. However, I don't know if shoulder injuries will also prevent people doing a substitute. So I'm going to go off the assumption that you don't. But of course, if you have a shoulder injury and you can't do a pull-up and then you also can't do the substitute, don't do the substitute, okay? Choose the, the feeling from your shoulders that you're getting over my words here, okay? I just wanted to clarify that. But the substitute um, that I'm talking about is the kneeling lat pull-down. If you can't do it again by for injury reasons or simply you're not strong enough to do a pull-up, um, actually, before doing a kneeling lat pull-down, the better alternative is to try and do a banded pull-up or use a pull-up assistance machine. But if those are not available, then the kneeling lat pull-down is the best, um, excuse me, the best substitute because it's shown to best mimic the pull-up activation pattern when compared to other commonly used alternatives. Um, and that's kind of a quote from Jennifer Hewitt et al. from a study by them. Um, and I do want to mention that in that graph that showed the, the um, pattern, the kneeling lat pull-down did very well mimic the uh, activation pattern. However, I do want to note that for pretty much every point in that activation pattern, the um, activation was less, right? at least a little bit, a, a decent margin than the pull-ups. So again, if you have those other options to do a banded or assisted or an assisted pull-up on a machine, definitely go with that first. However, kneeling lat pull-down is a good substitute if you need it. And speaking of pull-ups, um, one um, video by Jeff Nippert, I believe, I forgot to write it down actually, I'm talking about the best way to do pull-ups. I'm going to leave that linked in the description. If you want to learn about pull-up form, definitely go check that out. I'm going to briefly describe a few of the cues, a few of the things that he mentioned, but seriously, it's much, much more beneficial to go watch that video. Uh, I'm going to try and go through it quickly so I can move on to the more important stuff. Um, but, or not necessarily the more important stuff, but the stuff that you can't go somewhere else to get as well. Um, so definitely go check that out because seeing it in action as well as hearing about it is a lot more effective in my opinion than just me telling you. I'm still going to tell you because you could get something from this as well. But definitely, definitely, definitely go look at the video. I'll write instead of just putting a link i'll like write jeff nippard pull up video or something like that in the description of the episode so um a few things that he said in the uh in this episode first off you want to start from a dead hang position which basically means if you don't know what that is dead hang is an exercise where you just grab the bar and you hang you hang you don't like you're not flexing your shoulders or having your arms bent or anything like that you're just hanging so you want to start from that dead hanged position and you want to initiate upwards uh, by depressing the shoulder blade. So you don't want to immediately start bending your elbow and trying to pull up with your arms. The first initiation of this uh, exercise, of this movement, is going to be with depressing your shoulder blades because that gets you in a better position to work your lats and your back. Um, one cue you can use when you're starting to pull is to pull your elbows into your back pockets. So if you're visualizing pulling your elbows into your back pockets is a movement that's going to be better to um, give you that better range of motion and that better... Um, what's it called movement pattern or movement path for the exercise so you can properly hit the right x properly hit the right muscle groups and not just work your arms which unfortunately a lot of people doing pull-ups end up doing um another cue is you want to raise your chest up to the point at the bar 
Um, well, this isn't a cue, sorry, I misspoke. But the next uh, step is to raise your chest up to the point at the bar. Uh, but you don't want to exaggerate. You don't want to like puff your chest out so much that it becomes like a horizontal movement, like you're doing like a reverse like bench press type thing. You want to raise your chest up a little bit and puff it out and then pull up so that your chest touches the bar. Um, and you want to squeeze your glutes to keep your hips extended. You don't want to end up kind of bending your hips during the movements because um, that messes up a little bit of the positioning and everything. Uh, also, you want to, when you're lowering yourself back down, uh, you want to, of course, do this under control. You don't want to just throw yourself back down because this is half the movements. Lowering yourself back down is really, really important. Um, and you want to let your elbows move up and out. Um, the opposite as when we were talking about earlier, uh, taking your elbows into your back pockets. You want to just let, let the elbows drift up and out. And then you want to feel your lats actively stretch at the bottom of the movements before going back into dead hang position and doing the next pull-up. Now, when talking about vertical pulls in general, another really, really big vertical pull that we need to talk about is the lat pull-down. And specifically talking about the lat pull-down, uh, one study uh, by Doma et al. in 2013 found that there was no lat activation difference between the pull-up and the pull-down with equal relative loading. Now, the biceps are more active in a pull-up However, um, again, there's no different activation for the lats between the pull-up and the pull-down. And again, talking about how the biceps are more, are more active in the pull-up, there is also more spinal, spinal erectus, what, what? Spine erectors, sorry, activation of those muscles uh, in the pull-up over the pull-down. However, there are, of course, benefits to incorporating the pull-down as well. Now, talking about the lat pull down, a big thing for the lat pull down is talking about the uh, grip and the hand position. So, uh, first of all, when we're talking about going behind the neck or in front of the neck, first of all, before I even get into the notes, don't do a lat pull down behind your neck. That's just not good for shoulder health. Um, if you want a source of this information as well, a lot of this information that I learned about shoulder health comes from Athlete Next. He's talked about it multiple times. When you're doing exercises, don't like the shoulder press and the lat pull down, for example. Don't go behind your back because your shoulder joint's only meant to go back so far in that position. And just going up and down in that position uh, repeatedly with weights in that position of your shoulder is kind of almost asking for like an impingement or, or a shoulder injury. And it's just not fun. So just don't don't risk it. It's really not worth it. And on top of that, there's there's no actual reason to do behind the neck in terms of actual activation study, in, in terms of like scientific literature. Three studies, three independent studies found that there was no difference between front and behind the neck. And one study in 2002 found that in front of the neck had a slight edge. So there's even if there is no difference, there does seem, there does seem to be a slight edge for the front of the neck, but even if there is no difference, there's a much bigger risk of shoulder injury going behind the neck than in front of the neck. So there's no actual benefits and there is significant detriment, detriments going behind the neck rather than in front of the neck. So please go in front of the neck. Also another, also another thing that I uh, forgot to mention that Jeff Nippard brought up was that in general, uh, usually you can put a little bit more weight when um, pulling the bar to the front of your uh, neck rather than to the back of your neck. So again, another reason to do the front of the neck. And Jeff Nippert also agrees about with me about uh, being the shoulder being less vulnerable.
vulnerable when you go to the front. So, again, again, do not go behind. Don't go behind your neck. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Anyway, talking about hand position next. Um, Anderson et al. in 2014 found that a medium grip, um, which is a, a quote, so a medium grip, which is about 1.5 times shoulder width, um, was greater, um, was slightly greater. There was a small difference, but it was greater than the narrow shoulder grip uh, and the wide shoulder grip, which was about two times shoulder width. Now, the basis uh, for this study the basis for this study was on averages, not on individual results. So I wanted to clarify that there probably is a um, a bit of individuality to this, like there is for a lot of things. So I wanted to clarify that. Um, but another thing, or the basis on going with medium grip rather than narrow or wide grip, um, besides the fact that it was shown to have a slight, diff slightly greater activation for the lats. Um, the trend for greater activation for the lats, traps, and intraspinatus during the centric part of the movement. That is a trend that was shown in the study. Um, and also, in general, with the medium grip, you can, in general, get heavier loads with this grip rather than the narrow and the wide grip. So you can get more mechanical tension by having um, more weight. So that is a good um, basis for picking the medium grip uh, or medium grip as in hand position but now speaking of grip we're going to talk about grip as in pronated versus supinated versus neutral so one study by uh penn state university in 2010 found that the pronated grip was greater than the supinated grip for lat activation and another study individual not individual independent study by uh signoral et al found and i couldn't find the year for this unfortunately but it found that pronated grip was greater than neutral grip for lat activation and again, these two studies were based on averages, not individual results. So there could be a um, degree of individuality with this as well. Um, Jeff Nippert himself, he says he likes the V-bar attachment um, because it allows the lats to be trained through shoulder extension on a vertical pull. Because in general, vertical pulls train more uh, shoulder adduction rather than shoulder extension. So that's why Jeff likes the V-bar attachment. It gives a little bit more of a... Um, variety, I, I suppose you could say, to the training. It gives another option for a different thing that you can train with in terms of practical uh, implication from that perspective. And talking about the lat pulldown, um, you can also do an underhand lat pulldown, which again, we just said um, is has a little bit, has less activation than the pronated grip. However, the benefits for the underhand lat pulldown um, which, by the way, for an underhand lat pulldown, if you want to do that, uh, you want to do, with, do it with a slight lean back and with your elbows tucked to the sides. Basically, this is good for the narrow grip, which, while it's not necessarily as good for overall lat activation, it can be used to target a specific part of the lats um, in general. Or rather, it can be used to um, <clears throat> it can be used as an exercise that's good for targeting uh, the you know, it would be targeting the lower portion of the lats. And moving into that, now we're going to talk briefly about targeting the upper versus the lower because it is something that has been mentioned um, that I mentioned earlier, and it's a point that was brought up by Jeremy Ethier in one of his videos um, as one of his tips for targeting the lats. 
um, because it is something that a lot of people don't know or a lot of people don't act on the fact that the lats are um, split into a lower can be split into a lower and upper portion. I know for me personally, I tend to grow lower lats a lot more than upper lats. I don't have a lot of activation or growth for either, but there is zero growth for the wait. I think I just switched them up. No, I apologize. There's zero growth for the lower lats and at least a little bit of growth for the upper lats. I, I have not been able to get any growth from my lower lats. So for people like me who have trouble building upper and lower, targeting preferentially, again, not isolation, preferential targeting, um, targeting one group over the other can be very beneficial for building even aesthetics, as well as just in general, um, functional strength. If you're training only shoulder adduction or only shoulder extension, um, a lot more than the other function, you're just not getting as much functional strength of the lats that you could. So talking about the upper portion, again, like we talked about earlier in the beginning of the episode, these upper fibers um, are more horizontal. Um, so they can be emphasized or preferentially hit uh, during training by exercises that train shoulder adduction because the angle of pull is more in line with these muscle fibers. An example of this could be um, using a wide grip or a wider grip on lat pull downs or on pull-ups. Um, and then the lower um, section, the fibers run more horizontally like we talked about earlier and can be emphasized by exercises that train more shoulder extension. So close group exercises, for instance, like the underhand lat pull down that we just talked about. So I just want to bring that up because that is an important um, factor you should consider when choosing the exercises um, that you want that um, is See, because we talked about the scope of um, lats versus the other muscle groups in your body, choosing exercises that hit more of the lats, but then also you can choose ex exercises or tweaks to the exercises that allow you to target the upper or the lower portion of the lats more effectively. That's actually going to be it for this episode, so stay tuned for the next part, which will be posted, I mean, it'll be posted like immediately after, but stay tuned. Um, watch the next part because we have a lot of good information talking about um, rows and how those actually do hit the lats very well. We're going to debunk a couple myths um, about different things. We're also going to be talking about the ideal frequency and the ideal volume that you should do when training your lats. And we're going to talk about a, a, a couple other really important and very helpful things. So make sure you watch the second part as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, stay tuned for next week again next week's episodes about uh, male versus female training because we've had actually an increase in female viewers so females hello thank you for tuning in <laughs> i didn't expect that but cool so we're having a uh an episode on that um and as well that will also help me make my plan for my friend who again we're calling amy so amy's plan um and i'll probably update you on that in a couple weeks or so uh we're also going to be talking about the training break fundamentals for coming back from a training break um and then finally we're going to be talking about sets procession and volume that you can have procession per muscle group um per, per, per muscle group per session without it turning into junk volume or potentially turning into overtraining so thank you guys so much for listening stay tuned for the next part of the episode and have a great day goodbye